you're in charge of yourself, of your life, of your decisions, and you take really responsibility for, for everything that's been happening. And then gradually you start turning the tide. And the process can take a long time and be painful and bumpy, but it's definitely, it's definitely worth the ride. Welcome to the My Future Business Show, where we get you in front of your best audience and keep you there. Not only are we interviewing the biggest names in business to help you become even more successful, we're inviting you to book your spot on the show to help you grow your business. So at the end of the call, make sure you fill in the interview application form at myfuturebusiness.com forward slash interviews. Hi, my name is Rick Nusky and welcome back to the My Future Business Show and thank you so very much for supporting the show. The feedback that I have been receiving is just nothing short of humbling and it's making all of the difference knowing that the show is making a difference for you. Now on today I'm with the wonderful Yelena Radonjic. How are you Yelena? I knew I'd uh, have trouble with that one. (laughs) I'm really well. I'm really well and delighted to be on the show. Yes, it's wonderful to have you here now. I've been doing my research on your background and uh, you are very skilled. You've had had a lot of experience worldwide and you are a career and leadership development coach. We're going to obviously take a deep dive into that, Yelena. Um, mm-hmm. But before we do that, it's, it's custom for us to start off to talk a little bit about, I guess you personally, a little bit about uh, what you do outside of the work sphere, uh, including, um, you know, where are you located right now? Sure. Well, I'm based in London, UK, and I have been here no less than 25 years, so a long time. Fantastic. Uh, Before that, I was in Tokyo for four years, Tokyo, Japan. And then before that, I lived in my um, native country of Serbia, and I was in Belgrade, and that's where I grew up and finished university and then set off to explore the world. Fantastic. what I do outside work, that's a very good question because I started to chuckle to myself thinking not much these days because of the lockdown. Oh, yes. Because of the lockdown, this, this year has been really funny. But what I, what I did, I just buckled down and focused on my work. I work from home uh, pretty much anyway um, because I see clients on Zoom. Yep. And those clients that I used to see face to face, we moved online. So, yeah. I just focused on, on my work and um, accelerating the development of, of my career coaching business. So I'd say on the whole, um, yeah, th- this year has been good for me in that sense, in unexpected ways. Uh, but apart from that, what I do is just uh, occasional jog or walk, uh, gym, yoga and meditation. Yes, that's, that's, that, that one is the most important one, which I never miss every morning. Fantastic. I'd love to talk a little bit about, um, I guess, your daily routines a little bit later on in the show, Yelena, because I I think one of the most important points about the My Future Business show that differentiates us is the fact that uh, there are people behind businesses and that's very important for, um, I guess, startup entrepreneurs, those who are just starting to understand that this is very much a journey and there are certain things that those who are successful are doing. And that's what I'd like to draw out from you as we go through today's call. Um, So thank you very much for, for introducing us. Now, I, I found it very interesting that um, not only have you worked across three countries, but I guess you would have got a very good understanding of the cultural dynamics between countries. Um, what, I mean, for example, Japan has a very unique um, set of, um, I guess, cultural structures in terms of gift giving and things of that nature. Um, what is, I guess, one of the common threads that you've noticed uh, from country to country that are, that are common in business? 
Um, very interesting question. Um, I'd say, first of all, culturally, um, doing business across different cu cultures and countries could be a minefield. Yeah. Um, um, I remember reading some, some funny stories um, that were quoted as examples in a book that I thoroughly recommend to anyone who does cross-cultural business, and that's Riding the Waves of Culture by Fons Trompenaars. Um, and just uh, some, some funny stories describing various mistakes people do when they, um, say, work between Americans and Japanese, or, yeah. say, Australians and Japanese, or different even European countries and European mentalities that can be quite at odds with, with each other. Um, in business, I'd say, um, obviously, um, knowing the right business etiquette in terms of communication, negotiation, very important. Um, having at least the basic understanding of the culture and the business culture so that you can show your respect and appreciation um, in the most appropriate way, um, I'd say, is very important. And then knowing the finer details of whether you need to be direct or mm -hmm. not uh, and how much. <laughs> so all of these can actually really um, seriously affect the outcomes of, of different uh, business transactions or proposals or particularly negotiations, I would say. I can only imagine it must, been, must have been a minefield, especially when you were early into your career. What are, what are some of the moments that you can recall early on that uh, you know, really opened your eyes up to some of these experiences? Would you mind sharing a little bit about one? Sure, of course. I just remembered a, a funny anecdote. I don't know if it opened my eyes to anything, but it certainly <laughs> amused a lot of people. Um, so to be truthful, I didn't go completely unprepared. I studied Japanese language and literature and English language and literature at university. So I did these two parallel degrees. So I was very excited when I landed uh, my, my first corporate job in Japan. Um, at the time, apparently, I was the first woman from then Yugoslavia to, to land a, a corporate job in Japan, which oh, wow. was very odd. And I was <laughs> interviewed by different newspapers, both in, in Yugoslavia at the time and in Japan. So anyway, um, that put me in, in an unexpected spotlight. Um, so obviously, yes, I was learning about the culture and uh, my language was quite proficient, but not quite yet completely fluent. So I thought I was, I was prepared. Um, but one of the things that, uh, even though I liked Japanese cuisine and had tried different bits, I wasn't quite prepared to actually eat uh, fish that was still living. Oh. And that's exactly what happened. We were, um, that, that was kind of a, a special dinner for me to greet me. Um, and my then former um, university tutor traveled with me because he introduced me to, to the company and so mm -hmm. forth. So it was a wonderful dinner <clears throat> in Japanese tradition with ladies in kimono serving us. But at one point, so we were eating sashimi slices of raw fish. And at one point, as I was putting that into my mouth, and I, I was finding it a bit difficult to, to chew on it, to be honest. I prepared sushi with a bit of rice. I just saw that this beautiful fish, which was cut up and decorated with flowers, it moved, the eye moved, and the head moved, and I jumped back, crying. Oh, wow. I was really in shock, and yeah. everyone just died laughing. They were like, ah, ah, ah. Oh. So, that was uh, that was quite unexpected and something I'll always remember. 
and uh, yeah, I, I, I love sashimi these days, but I've, I've never seen actually or went for that type of experience where you actually have a, yeah. A moving uh, fish. A... Now, this is what I love about being the host of this show and uh, is to have these <laughs> stories come to the fore and, and have a bit of a laugh with it. So, so thank you very much for sharing. Now, you, you mentioned uh, that you have, uh, well, I guess you now speak fluent in a number of uh, languages. You said there are four. What are the other two? Right. Um, I used to be fluent in French. Um, that was as I was growing up, I was learning English and French in parallel. But then when I came to uni, I chose Japanese. So my French kind of dropped. Um, so I'd say conversationally, I'm still fluent in Japanese. I visited actually last year after 19 years. So we're talking quite wow. way back. Yeah. And my language came back to me uh, i do have friends and former colleagues and bosses that i still keep in touch with as for french i guess i understand a lot more than i can say but you know if if you drop me somewhere in rural france and i had no recourse to anything else i'll probably start yeah speaking. it seems to me that you take up uh, these things like a fish to water pardon the pun <laughs> It is my thing, I believe. Yes, I, I love I love languages. I took up Spanish as well at some point, and I remember uh, my eldest son coming into my room saying, "Mom, what are you reading?" And I said, "Oh, I'm just re relaxing. I'm learning some Spanish grammar." And he rolled his eyes. He said, "How on earth can you be relaxing learning grammar?" <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> talking about books, uh, I'd like to a little bit later on because I know that you co-authored a book um, called "Joy Recipes for Abundance." Now we'll come back to that yeah. in a little while, if you don't mind. But you've had more oh. than twenty-five years of international recruitment and educational management experience. You've worked with the likes of <laughs> UNICEF, Tottenham Hotspurs Football Club, um, HSBC, Microsoft, and many other huge names. Now, how has this experience come about that you've worked for all these major clients? Sure. Um, my recruitment experience was mostly <clears throat> with large corporates that um, some of them you mentioned, some of them are more recent examples of where my coaching clients found work. Mm -hmm. But it's still connected very much to the idea of jobs or, or work or um, a career. Yeah. So um, in the past, uh, well, having started my corporate career in Japan, um, I then worked for the same company for 10 years, four years in Tokyo and six years in London, running their European operations. And this was in the early career and graduate recruitment space. So we would run large careers fairs around Europe, US and Japan. Mm -hmm. um, and my clients were uh, major corporations. So I was basically helping them identify and source and select top talent so for me that had um, a special meaning because i myself was thrilled that my my dream came true um, which was to be able to use what i studied and what i was passionate about in um in a in an early career when i landed that job in in tokyo yeah. So I was, I was super passionate about, um, you know, facilitating that kind of process for, for other young people um, in Europe, um, in Japan and, and the US. So that's, that's what I did for a number of years. And then um, later on in, in London, I worked for a number of smaller providers on the recruitment side. Again, mostly either through careers events or bespoke campaigns for, uh, for major corporates. 
I also had the stint at the University of London Career Service, which was interesting. Um, again, working with employers, not with students, to help them source the best talent. That's wonderful feedback. That's a great story. And um, this obviously led you to where you shifted gears and you became a career and leadership development coach at What Work. Yes. Is that correct? Yes. yes, that's correct. That's my that's my company. That's my brand. And the reason why I called it What Work, again, speaks about my sort of uh, deeper motives or how I understand the the idea or concept and practice of work so um to me work is a, is a very meaningful and super important um, activity that we engage in our lives all of us as humans apparently we spend around ninety thousand hours working on average um, wow. in lifetime so that's a lot of hours <laughs> and and i'm really passionate about helping people create a meaningful career and a meaningful life based on that. So in that sense, that's why I decided to call my, uh, my consultancy What Work, mm -hmm. because work includes job, career, business, um, any, any sort of um, activity, you know, that enables you to make a living, uh, but in a meaningful way. See, I was reading through your bio earlier, uh, Yelena, and you talked a lot about how a human, as human beings, we place a lot of value in our ability to work and I guess add value um, to others and to our environment and just, to, I guess, maybe prove to ourselves that we are valuable. Is that is that part of the, I guess, the psyche behind, of this, behind this? I think so, yes. Um, that's at least, um, that's what's transpired um, over... I'd say a few decades as I was involved in in recruitment, um, so kind of hands-on, uh, but also um, in placing people into positions and sort of facilitating this change, but also um, through my own personal development and spiritual practice that was also developing in the background over the years in parallel with my corporate career. Because I was always fascinated with uh, with um, human growth and personal growth, and also why some people are successful and others are not, why some people are fulfilled and others are not, um, and how all of that ties back with what they do and how they do it and what choices they made in relation to their careers and education as well. You have had a lot of experience um, as a career coach, but you also um, help people uh, with branding, uh, giving interviews, their social media exposure. So there's a, a lot going on here. But as you move through time and you mature, Yelena, you also um, have a spiritual side to you, and that's coming through because you've worked with the likes of Deepak, Deepak Chopra um, and uh, John D. Martini. Tell us a little bit about that experience and, and what those experiences did for you. Sure, absolutely. So um, one of the reasons why I decided to shift, as you say, shift gears and become a, a career coach was um, quite a few years back, I was looking at what it is that I can do because I knew I wanted to do something uh, by myself on my own to start a business mm -hmm. but what is it that brings everything together and that's where i got the recruitment experience commercial experience as well as 
the personal development and personal growth and spiritual practice that I've been engaged in mm-hmm. and sort of merged all of that and um, and started my career coaching practice. Of course, I qualified as a coach, but a lot of training that I had, apart from the official coach training, has been in the domain of, um, I'd say, personal growth and personal development and mm-hmm. transformational coaching um, domain, which is... Um, different workshops and retreats that I engaged in primarily for me personally, but also of course they benefited me a lot professionally. So um, as for John Demartini, I did his breakthrough experience a few years back, I believe in 2016. As for Deepak Chopra, I followed him. I love his podcast, podcasts, his books. I do his guided meditations. And then last summer, I attended his retreat in Hawaii called The Seduction of Spirit, which was absolutely phenomenal. Um, prior to all of that, I worked with a spiritual teacher for about five years here in, in London, and um, I attended a few other transformational uh, coaching programs. So all of that, all these sort of incremental shifts and bigger breakthroughs um, that I was able to sort of experience myself brought another dimension to me as I would say as a person and as a professional and I can channel all of that into my coaching. I love this this is why I love doing this because it brings I guess the humanistic side out of those who are very successful in business what is one of the um, main things that you learned about yourself during that that time do you think? Hmm I guess one of the um, the biggest breakthroughs at the time because I was I was going through difficult, uh, challenging situations in my personal life, as mm-hmm. we all do from oh, time yes. to time. Yep. And I think it was the moment of moving from a place of disempowerment into a place of being empowered. Um, and I'd say the the shift was incremental, and then there were some bigger breakthroughs. And um, I guess uh, my eyes opened first, and I was really taken aback when my then spiritual teacher asked me, so what is your contribution to this problem, to this drama, to this, you know, terrible situation? And I was like, what? Yeah, I'm responsible. <laughs> I'm right. They are wrong. You know, it's not me. <laughs> so, of course, it's, you know, it, it was a stab, like, but it, it really woke me up and, um, and, uh, sort of pushed me to really take personal responsibility for everything in my life that I thought I was I was kind of taking um, but actually this this was a, a different dimension where you you really acknowledge what uh, you've been avoiding to acknowledge and um, put yourself in a sovereign space where you really are um, I'd say in charge I don't like the word in control so much because it can imply manipulation and whatever but you're in charge of of yourself of your life of your decisions and um, and you take really responsibility for for everything that's been happening and then gradually you start turning the tide so things are not happening to you mm-hmm. you are creating your reality and the process can take a long time and be painful and bumpy but it's definitely it's definitely worth worth the ride there's some sage insights. Thank you so much, Elena, for sharing. Now, this call could go so many different directions, but I think what I'd like to do is, is go uh, 
through what a, a, a day looks like for you firstly, because I think it's important from a professional perspective as well as your spiritual side. Can you share a little bit about you know what a typical day looks like from you? Sure. Well, as I mentioned, I meditate regularly in the morning, so that will be probably the first thing that I do. Um, someone, a friend of mine said, oh, you wake up and then you go to sleep again. <laughs> if, if possible. <laughs> but it's not really sleeping. Meditation is the, is the place and space of deep relaxation. And um, uh, it, does, it can feel like deep sleep, but it's very re relaxing and, and restful. And um, I see a big difference if I skip my morning meditation for about between 20 and 30 minutes, I do it. Uh, my, my day can pan out differently. Um, so I, I stick to it. It's a, it's a beautiful routine. And I would really recommend to everyone. And whatever meditation, you know, works for you. Uh, I practice transcendental meditation, which I recently um, refreshed and upgraded with, with Deepak Chopra. Um, however, yes, I, I would say... Uh, a quiet moment during the day whether it's meditation or reflection or breathing mm -hmm. very important so that you can keep your mind fresh and um, and you operate from a place of calm rather than being frantic i used to be frantic i still get from time to time to be a bit frantic and manic and rushing to do many things but um so you are less. so you are human after all Absolutely. <laughs> I, I wonder, um, Elena, when you're doing this, do you do you find mm -hmm. that it clears your mind? And um, when it does clear your mind, if that's the case, um, what is your mindset like at that point in time? And if you are in a busy situation, you're not able to just, you know, uh, meditate. How do you reset your mindset? Great question. Um, I think the sort of peace and calm that you ground yourself in during the meditation lasts for quite a while, um, but obviously not forever. No. Uh, much like, again, a spiritual teacher of mine said, you don't take the shower only once. <laughs> you take a shower once a day at least <laughs> so if, if you want to be fresh. So this is literally like cleansing. Um, and um, later on during the day, if I get very busy or stressed, I'd say stepping back and just taking some deep breaths is, is really, really good. Um, also reminding myself that, um, you know, it's just a momentary thing and that I will do better if I step back, breathe, observe, and then make a decision or, or take my next step. Um, going back to my day, because I never actually shared that. Yeah, so the rest of the day is working with my clients, mm -hmm. uh, work in my business and on my business. Um, so very important distinction, isn't it? On as yes. opposed to in. Yes, very important. And that's one of the things that I have to say, uh, I'm becoming a bit better at, but there's still a long way to go, which is um, setting chunks of time aside to really work on my business. And it, I don't mean just creating content, uh, which I do a lot of. I write and publish and do videos and all sorts of things. But I also mean setting some quiet time to plan uh, and to revise. And that's, that's been a struggle 
I have to confess, but I'm getting better at it. Is there a, um, a moment where you use, um, it seems to me like uh, with the likes of Deepak Chopra's work that it would be very much um, memory set and you don't actually verbalize mantras or anything like that. Um, um, a mantra is something um, that are useful, do you think? Um, I the, the bit of transcendental meditation that I do does have a, a mantra which you sort of refer to or repeat in mm -hmm. meditation. Uh, as for other things during the day, um, I often ask my clients to set themselves a reminder. For example, something important would transpire through our coaching process. And then I would ask them to either create a post-it note or, um, you know, it could be an object that is on their desk or in their wallet if they carry it with them, something they can look at often to remind themselves. Actually, I'll show you something. I didn't plan to do this, but why not? Um, I don't know if you can see this. It says, let me think about it. Yes, I can. Very clearly. This is a coaster and I also have a key ring. So th this was my own sort of uh, reminder. I made this quite a few years ago, I guess around the time when I was going through lots of personal life challenges that I mentioned before. Mm -hmm. um, and I just created this because um, it would remind me to stop and step away and then look at the situation and then give my answer. Hence, let me think about it because in the past I used to say yes a lot to uh -huh. everything and everyone. Uh -huh. Feeling that I've got to cater to everyone's needs, whether that's family, work or whatever. And um, if you don't actually uh, capture that and stop it, um, you can burn out. There's some power in saying no, isn't there? Sorry? There is some power in saying no. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's about, um, it's about really being aware of, you know, of these boundaries, uh, where your well-being stops and begins. Yeah. Um, and also being able to prioritize yourself and your needs, um, because you deserve it. Absolutely. And also by taking care of yourself emotionally, physically, mentally, um, you bring yourself to, to a better version of yourself and therefore you can help others better or serve your clients better or whatever it is that you're doing. Thank you. This is a wonderful call. It's gone through so many different phases already. already. Now, talking about helping others, um, your whole focus is helping people identify, reach and retain careers they love. I've checked out your website. I'm, I'm just wondering if we can talk through, mm -hmm. I guess, the mechanics of how you do this. Would we, would we be able to do that? Yes, absolutely. Very, uh, very happy to talk about that. So um, I, I have my own methodology, which I developed and honed over a number of years coaching clients, uh, given that I coach uh, clients from a variety of industries. So it's not industry specific, uh, but in terms of the sort of main audience, I would say mid-career to senior professionals. And the methodology, uh, first of all, um, we first of all look at what's inside. I always insist on introspection, on reflection and building awareness of who we truly are, what matters to us, what our values are, what our strengths and competences and skills, but also natural talents and affinities are. And equally, 
what is holding us back, the so-called saboteurs or limiting beliefs. I particularly like doing that sort of work with my clients. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I don't know if they like it. Sometimes they complain and pick. <laughs> and <laughs> Very confronting. Uh, but uh, of course, in a gentle way. But to my mind, successful coaching needs to be a balance between support and challenge. So to go back to the methodology, I'd say uh, at least three to four sessions would go into this initial phase, which I call uh, unwrap the gifts. So we get a lot of things in the open and then we move into the middle phase of, a, a, again, another, say, three or, so, or four sessions where we look at the options. In other words, what is it that you want to do with what you've got? Of course, we're talking here about careers and often um, most actually of my clients are in some sort of career transition. Occasionally, they could be looking for career development, which means progressing in the same organization. But majority of them are looking for some sort of trans transition which could be finding a new job or moving to a different type of role or even moving industries. Some clients move countries and roles and in industries, the so-called triple jump. So very complex transitions. Oh, it's yeah. not about, you know, uh, oh yeah, pass the interview and that's it. Not <laughs> at all. Mm -hmm. So we have to look at a whole host of factors, including their, you know, personal life, family life, their relationships, because everything is connected. That's again, one of the things that I insist on as a career coach. I want to work with clients who are open to transformation and who are brave enough to look at all aspects of their lives because you can't just work on, you cannot really say boost your confidence with regards to your career and not to everything else. You cannot set firm boundaries and, and stop overworking or overgiving just in your you know, career that's going to affect your personal life as well in a good way. So the effects of coaching are, are multiple and, um, you know, wide reaching cover. Yes. All aspects of life. So from this middle phase, then once we've brainstormed and I have a lot of different tools and things that I use, uh, we then, um, identify one or two options that we want to explore deeper and we then move into the implementation phase. Um, sometimes, actually, often recently, um, that option could be setting up on your own. So I've coached a number of clients successfully into setting up their own venture, their own business. Um, and um, so, again, the implementation phase for that particular scenario is different, of course, from someone who's transitioning into a different job. So then we would look at the basics of, of the business, of the setup, of their product or service, market, uh, and so forth, just refining the, the basics, really, and putting that in, into place. Uh, for those who are transitioning in terms of finding a different role or a, um, industry or just moving companies and so forth, the implementation phase is going to be around um, uh, interview prep, um, LinkedIn, networking, creating your elevator pitch, very important, actually, both for new entrepreneurs and corporate people mm -hmm. uh, so um, there's there's quite a few things that overlap I would say mostly around personal branding which as you mentioned at the beginning of the interview I mm -hmm. cover as well in the function of, of uh, a career transition there's a lot to unpack here for somebody uh, when you're working with them um, I guess there'd be I guess a, a bit of a, 
a self-revelation for somebody who works with you and having to uh, reveal truths about themselves and, and, and share their belief structures with you, this would take time. So yeah. does it take uh, time and do you build uh, relationships, long-term relationships with your clients? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I'd say the, um, the typical sort of nine sessions, which is the minimum that I would work with the clients, would take anything from three and a half to six months, depending on how we space them. The mindset work, or the mind shift, rather, that happens in the background, because we work on that as well, mm-hmm. that is the bit that takes time. And yep. that's something that cannot be rushed. So sometimes I have to explain to clients who are very keen to move on and do this, that, and the other, but certain things just take time. Uh, For a longer program, my high-end program, The Ultimate Career Transformation, I would say five to six months minimum. And yes, of course, we we build fantastic relationships. I have clients reaching out to me, um, taking up coaching with me again. I have a client who worked with me last year and then came back this year. Uh, even though he uh, effected a successful uh, transition, mm-hmm. he moved to a high uh, high level role in Amazon. Um, he got six to seven percent increase in his package, um, all sorts of wonderful things. Uh, but because he wants to start something on his own uh, in the next two years, he came back. So we are now working more on the ideas of of uh, for his for his startup. Um, I had a client who reached out to me literally last week. Last time I saw him was April 2019. Um, and at the time, he, again, successfully transitioned in the sense that he, he got a role he wanted um, in banking. But he was very much surprised when uh, I suggested that he should look into his passion, which at the time was just a hobby and perhaps consider a career in that, which is all about um, health and fitness running in particular and so on. So he contacted me a week ago saying, I'm now finally moving in that direction. And thank you so much. So uh, it's phenomenal how these things that transpire through coaching, um, you know, they're not just for today or for tomorrow. People can draw on the material almost like a repository of tools and worksheets and insights that um, they can draw on that for years to come and still reap the benefits. There's clearly a lot of success stories uh, associated with the work that you've done. And and I can't think of anyone better to make these transitions in any way, shape or form that they're wanting to do, Yelena. Now, uh, importantly, um, when somebody wants to work with you, um, where are they going to find you and what is the process when they get there? Sure. Um, I'm on LinkedIn more than anywhere else. So um, I'd suggest to everyone to connect with me on LinkedIn because I share a lot of content there, uh, which is absolutely free and beneficial. Um, apart from that, I have a Facebook group called All Things Career. And of course, my website uh, is probably the best starting point if you want to have an overview of my work. And there's some client testimonials there. There's, of course, lots of that on, on LinkedIn as well. My website is whatwork.co.uk. So it's quite simple. And from there, 
you can actually contact me and book a free discovery call to explore um, if you're at crossroads, what's next and whether coaching is for you. Thank you very much, Elena. Now, if you're on the call with us today, it is custom for me to make sure that you have access to all of the links back to Yelena and her wonderful work. If it's time for you to make these changes, um, most definitely reach out to Yelena at whatwork.co.uk.uk. And Yelena, with all that being said, I have had such a wonderful time spending some time with you on the My Future Business Show today. Likewise, thank you so much for inviting me, Rick. It was a pleasure. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the call, then make sure to subscribe leave a comment, share us with your friends and book your spot on the show at myfuturebusiness.com forward slash interviews. And if you're looking for solutions that will help grow your business, then visit myfuturebusiness.com forward slash shop.